Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. Hey, Joe, how are you? Yeah, this is a, a great opportunity here. It's a great crossover episode. Um, you know, for listeners of Electrify, I've got Tony Donaldson here from Electric Bike Action. For listeners of Electric Bike Action, I am Joe Boris, the host of the Electrify News podcast. And I am absolutely in love with the sound of my own voice. So get used to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've been told I've got a great face for radio. Oh, yeah. and there's a reason we're not recording the video on this one. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Uh, yeah. So I I, uh, I I very much enjoyed the Electrify Expos I've gone to. Um, let me back up for a second. I just got back from the SEMA show. And oh, wild. There was a ton of electric stuff there. I, I just I go to that show every single year. Actually, they hire me to work there, and uh, so I get to go around and see all of the different uh, you know electric builds and all that stuff. And there's tons of EV swaps. Actually, there was a fantastic uh, reveal on Monday. There was a Cobra that drove up on stage that made no sound. And you're thinking that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen because Cobras are loud. And oh, yeah. it was a it was a full EV swap. Uh, Borla was there. This is interesting. Um, they won an award for their new audio system. And if you know what Borla is, they're not an audio company. They are an exhaust company. Correct. So, so what they're doing is they're building uh, tunable audio systems so that you can actually make your car sound like your your EV sound like a gas powered car. I mean, is that interesting or is that a little ridiculous? Oh, it's, I'm I, sure I it's it ridiculous, depends. but you know, yeah, the, it kind of depends where you, where you land on that. I mean, when you talk about like something like a 427 side oiler motor and how, you know, those old school Cobras were loud, or you talk about, you know, an HRA door slammer or a pro stock car and why those cars are loud. Those kind of things make sense, right? Like, yeah, there's been a culture that has grown up around it, but that noise was a, a side effect of the kind of performance that you were generating. This, to me, seems like noise for the sake of noise. Well, it is, but you know, it's it's possibly a, a, a way to get the you know gas the petrol heads into electric vehicles that way because one of the complaints is, oh, it doesn't make any noise, so. You know, trust me, I don't mind it. I I love riding electric motorcycles because of that very reason. Uh, But uh, it's, you know, I guess to each their own. I'm such a hypocrite, though. As soon as you said, as soon as you change it from four wheels to two wheels, I'm like, now hang on. There's nothing that can beat the sound of a V twin. I totally flip flop. As soon as we go to two wheels, I'm like, I don't know about this whole electric thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, have you ridden an electric motorcycle though? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, in in my past life, I was a sales manager, uh, GM at, uh, Chicago Harley Davidson. Uh, when the live wire was coming out and we, we, we did a couple of events with those and I, I actually spent quite a bit of time on one as a, as a demo vehicle, fantastic machines, super, super fast. Uh, you know, and, and honestly, um, it, it felt a lot like a UJM bike to me. It felt it had very much like a Honda Nighthawk CV750 kind of vibe to it. Uh, I started riding in the 90s, and even then, the Nighthawk was an old bike, but that was kind of the first bike that I spent a whole lot of uh, real 
seat time in. And um, it felt a lot like that. And, it, you know, it was it was a great bike. It was quick. It was nimble. It was, you know, especially in traffic, it was really good. Um, you know, but one of the nice things to me about a, a motorcycle, even though you're stopping every 50 or 80 miles, you know, if you've got a little peanut tank or something like that, is the fact that you can just kind of get on it and go. And I, the fact that most e-bikes, it's, it's changing now. The Energica is out. You know, the new Zeros do have some faster charging. but you know, an hour, hour and 45 minutes. That, to me, that's too long of a, of a stop time for, for uh, you know, for a $30,000 bike. Well, yeah. And and I think all of that is going to change. I mean, with all the companies, uh, the car companies that are saying by 2035, they're going to be all electric. Um, I think the technology over the next three to five years is going to just completely change. I think you're going to see much shorter charge times, uh, much greater ranges and possibly lighter batteries. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. And, you know, one thing that I think is going to help drive that innovation forward and that I think is going to help kind of make some of those things happen is a more or less universal agreement among the car manufacturers to use that, you know, um, that CCS charging and as well as not only the car manufacturers, but the bike manufacturers are going towards that CCS fast charging. So I, I think that we're going to start to see even more improvement on the e-bike side, on the pedal bike side, when we start to see everybody kind of go to a similar charging. Because it's like, I've got a couple of e-bikes. I've got a couple, I've got quite a few e-scooters because like, I love the things. I just think they're super fun. Um, you know, and I've got fast ones and slow ones and some for the kids and everything. Right. And they all, every single one of them, even from the same company, have a different charger and a different format plug that is non-interchangeable. And it's super, super frustrating to kind of have to figure out, okay, I'm, I've got the hover one hoverboard for my daughter. I got to find the hover one plug for it. I've got the GoTrax kick scooter. You know, I got to go find the GoTrax box because if I have... If I try to plug it into the NIU box, I'm going to fry both of them. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I, I think that's a challenge. You know, from from where you sit at the magazine, I think you you can probably speak to this better than anyone. Are you seeing any kind of pushback from the consumers or from the dealers to say, like, we need to get some kind of standardized charging to happen here in the e-bike space? Well, when I first took over this position uh, – I noticed that there was a, a plug called a Rosenberger plug that is magnetized and it absolutely works really well. But one of the problems that you run into is if everything has the same connector, uh, which a lot of the less expensive bikes really do, they have they have a very simple plug. But the problem is some of them are 36 volt, some of them are 48 volt, some of them are 52 volt. And yes. these companies buy these off-the-shelf chargers and don't put their name on it. Just put a sticker on it with your brand on it and maybe the bike's name. And that way, if you've got a family of five and they all have e-bikes and they all have, you know, different e-bikes, you know, different companies, that kind of thing. But maybe yeah. they all have the same charge cable or at least the, the same plug. You're going to potentially catch your house on fire because you're going to screw those up at some point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a real concern. Um, you know, I, I have started to see some, um, you know, Bosch obviously is one of the, one of the uh, sponsors, one of the exhibitors at the Electrify Expo. And they, they have, uh, for this year's industry day, they're pushing out a, um, 
you know, a, a safety initiative. I've seen that coming from a couple of the e-bike brands, the larger brands that are starting to do a, you know, universal battery charger that has some intelligence built into it that's smart enough to handle uh, different size batteries. But it, it seems to be slow going. And I think that if you're if you have any more than than one or two e-bikes in your household, you, you this is something that you're going to run into. Are we starting to see that where you're starting to see people getting their second or third e-bike? Because I mean, like I have a bunch of e-bikes, but and I'm sure you do, too. But we're kind of in a weird position. We're not quote unquote, normal consumers, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you a funny story. I own one bike and it's not an e-bike. And people are shocked when I say that. But the thing is, because I'm the editor of Electric Bike Action Magazine, I have a different bike every couple of days. So I have my pick of whatever I want. So I keep them all at the warehouse and just swap them out every couple of days and bring them home and, and that kind of thing. So I don't have my living room filled with that. And by the way, don't ever keep your bike outside, ever. I read no, I know. every I day. I just finished an article on how not to get your bike stolen. I read every day about how, uh, you know, people lock their bike up outside and they're like, I locked it up with like three locks. And it's like, yes, but it's outside. Somebody's going to get it. Even if it's in your garage, if it's a sort of a public garage, even if it's gated, that doesn't matter. Somebody's going to get in there and take your bike. Yeah, I'm lucky enough that I don't. I don't have uh, I don't have a need to park them outside, but that's definitely good advice, you know. But that I think that leaves out a lot of people from the equation, right? You know, if you look at a lot of these e-bikes, especially some of the affordable ones, they're quite heavy. I don't know that you'd want to be trying to get them, you know, in and out of an apartment, you know, any kind of regular regularity. I mean, if you have something little like a jackrabbit or uh, you know one of the, even some of these folding bikes weigh 60, 70 pounds. I, I don't know. Uh, the average bike that I get, even the full suspension mountain bikes are around 50 pounds. Um, I had one from mock wheel. It's sort of mm -hmm. a hunting related thing. That's got a, a 925 watt hour battery and a, a thousand watt inverter. And that whole rig weighs yeah, a ton. Those, those mock wheel ones are cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a, it, it's a really good bike. Um, I've just been testing the, uh, Aventon level two. And, uh, they finally, they, they did something that's unusual for Aventon. They put a torque sensor on it, which none of their bikes mm -hmm. have ever had. And that was my one complaint with the level one. Cause it, it, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic commuter bike, um, at a great price. And so it's gone up a couple of hundred dollars for the level two, but that torque sensor makes it feel so natural. Cause with a cadence only sensor, you don't have to put any effort into pedaling like Whatever mode you selected, right. it automatically goes up to that speed. So 12, 15, 18 miles an hour, whatever. Uh, but with the uh, with the torque sensor, you can control it so much better and it's so much nicer. They actually listened to me when I complained about that. And uh, they wanted <laughs> well, to – I got to ask you because you're, you're a bike guy, right? So like yeah. I, I, I tend to be my own bike guy. Like everybody talks to me about bikes. Like I'm the expert. I never feel that way. But, you know, because I, I – I'd ride these bikes for five days or 10 days and then they go away. And I feel like I never really got a chance to like explore the bike. I was riding a bike recently that I really, really liked the bike. And I, I don't want to necessarily name it just because it, it was such a good bike, but it had the uh, internal gear hub. And okay. like, I just, I could never get used to it. Like I, it, it always felt, and it's not that it put me in the wrong gear or ever did anything weird. It just felt very alien to not be shifting the bike. 
Have well, you run into that kind of objection or do you find that like it doesn't really matter? Was it an Enviolo? Um, the CVT one? I, no, it was an internal gear hub. So there were gears like you could feel it step. Oh, OK. OK. So it wasn't stepless. Um, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I've ridden so many of them that I don't mind those. And actually, it's, you know, it there's less wear and tear. Uh, there's less maintenance. Um, oh, sure. Sure. You know, the, the, those and that allows you to if you want to run a belt drive, which is nice and, and very quiet and very uh, doesn't get your pants greasy. Um, yeah, I. I I, I'm okay with all those. Um, uh, what was the one? I had one that had an Enviolo CVT, but it was automatic and it was set on your cadence. That one I hated because if yeah. you get the cadence right, if you know exactly what cadence you like, which I, I thought I did, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's great. Um, but if you get the wrong one, then you're always at the wrong cadence. You're always like either too slow or too fast. And it's just, it's a terrible ride. Yeah. And, and getting that wrong where you're, you're pedaling either. And you know, it's funny you said it. Cause even with the IGH, what I found was I was always either pedaling just a hair too fast for my own comfort or right. like, then it would finally catch up to me. And then I would be pedaling like a little too slowly. And I never, I never found a sweet spot there. And, you know, where, whereas on some of the manual bikes, like I kind of know, like, okay, this is a fifth gear bike. This is a seventh gear bike and just go, right. um, you know, especially where I'm at in Chicago, we don't have long winding bike paths. You know, you're just kind of like in traffic in and out, stop and go. And I think that that's really, I, I feel like I might be the right guy for an IGH. Cause I can like, have my coffee mug, you know, I can have my steaming hot coffee on the handlebars and I can just pull up to the stop sign and not worry about what gear I'm in when it's time to start going. I think I just needed more time with it. Um, but, but it is certainly interesting. You know, do you have, do you have favorites that you can talk about? Do you have anything, you know, any kind of bikes that you think lend themselves more to electrification than others? Like I personally think mountain bikes and uh, trail bikes are, are a great, a great argument for electrification. I'm not totally convinced on a road bike necessarily uh, being ideal for electrification, but uh, you know, you're, you're more of the bike expert. How do you, how do you feel about that kind of thing? Well, so for mountain bikes, I think they're fantastic. I mean, there's a time and yeah. a place for both, you know, and, and uh, I'm going to bug my boss here by saying uh, acoustic bike versus electric bike. Um, I love that. An acoustic versus electric. Yes. Yes. I, I also refer to them as Amish bikes. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I would hate that either. About, uh, what was it? Eh, five, six years ago when I first started as an editor here, um, I would go out on the trails and I would get comments, you know, cheater or, you know, scowls or whatever. And mm -hmm. I'd start talking to the person. I'd be like, okay, have you ever ridden one? And they're like, no. And so I get off my bike. I hand it to him. I say, here, take this, go up that hill. And, uh, there I I'm, I'm going to clean up this language a little bit for the podcast. <laughs> they would get on and they would take off and two or three pedals in. They'd either say, wow, or holy bleep. And, yeah. uh, they'd ride up the hill and they'd come back down with a big smile on their face. And they're mad at me at the same time, because I've just sold them two bikes, one for them and one for their significant other every <laughs> single time. <laughs> so now it takes a little less convincing. But, yeah. Uh, I think it's getting better. You know, I had a, uh, 
I have a colleague that, you know, over at Clean Technica, a woman named Jennifer Sensaba, she's a great writer. She wrote an article that originally I took offense to it. She made a comment about how e-bikes were ideal for people with disabilities. And I, I, I kind of read it and she was talking about like, you know, from her point of view, someone with asthma or someone with allergies and things like that. And I, and I, I kind of took task with that. And I said, look, man, I don't know if you can call asthma a disability. Like, you know, you get a little bit wheezy. and they But she had a really good point. She said, no, look, if I'm out there and I'm, you know, I figure I'm having a good day and I go out on a 10 mile bike ride and I'm seven miles away from my car. And all of a sudden there's some allergy, something, some allergen in the air. There's some flower that I didn't know about. And now I can't breathe. I'm not making it back to my car without right. a motor getting me back. And she had an excellent, excellent point. And I hadn't thought about it from that point of view. And especially when you look at the uh, the bike trails and the national park trails and things like that, all of those things are really, you know, they're really for everybody, right? They exist for all of the, the citizens of the U.S. to enjoy. And to be able to access those things is something that I think a lot of the people who make those kind of cheater comments, I think they kind of take that for granted. And, uh, you know, for, for older people, younger people to be able to, or, and people with disabilities to be able to access these parks and, and see this nature, I think is hugely important. And the fact that e-biking, you know, electrified bicycles makes that possible. I think that's just wonderful. No, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you another great example of this. Um, and I learned this, I think, the time that I went to Troy Lee's house. So Troy Lee is a big oh, e-biker. Oh, name drop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to. I mean, he's a, he's a great guy and he oh, yeah. he's such a promoter of the sport. He did have his own race series for a couple of years uh, in conjunction with Bosch. And he's got a thing. If you show up at his house on Wednesday at 7 a.m., you go for a ride with him and whoever else shows up. So I went on a ride with 20, 20 to 25 people, include, including Dave Cullinan. And we're all on e-bikes and we're all riding uh, in Laguna near his house, just beautiful trails. And everybody is able to keep up with everybody else. It doesn't matter your fitness level. So this is the great thing. So if you've got, you know, a husband and wife or, you know, just a group of friends or whatever, and, and you know, some of them are super fit and some of them are not. Uh, you can easily go out and go for a ride and have fun, even have conversations because you're all keeping up and you're not waiting for somebody to catch up all the time, which is uh, which is really useful. And so I've, I've used that uh, quite a bit to, to my advantage. Uh, my girlfriend uh, was not a mountain biker before uh, we got her an electric mountain bike, and now she is. And we have <laughs> communication helmets so we can actually talk, you know, almost at a whisper from you know hundreds of feet away and i can talk her through oh, yeah. sections and, and that kind of thing and so she got better really fast now is that something that you're there they have their own batteries or you're powering them through the bike uh no they they have their own battery yeah okay fair enough fair enough you know troy lee is is interesting too because there's a troy lee specialized uh the turbo Kenevo, right oh yes so we'll, we'll, we'll plug troy's bike i think that's cool do you get do you get to ride next to him if you show up on one of his bikes? Uh, well, you get to ride up. You get to ride next <laughs> to him if you don't it get doesn't special matter what treatment. you show up on. Um, yeah, that's that's not like a golden ticket. Well, I don't know. I spend seven grand on a bike. I expect special treatment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Seven grand is cheap for a specialized. I, you know what? It's funny you say that because we were having a conversation um, probably a year ago, uh, Matt Teske and I, who's my regular co-host on this show, about how some of these e-bikes were really expensive and they were pushing three grand, four grand, five grand. And I was thinking like, man, 25 years ago when I was – or not 25, but probably 22 years ago when I was – you know, the brief period in my life where I was in shape and I was doing triathlon stuff, I was like, I think my specialized road bike back then was seven grand. Sure. And it didn't have an electric motor or anything. It was just carbon, you know, carbon fiber stuff and things like that. And um, yeah, it is definitely funny when you start thinking about that. Cause like, I, I know there was definitely a time in my life where the bicycle on the back of my Honda civic cost more than my civic. <laughs> and I, I think, I think that that's a rare thing to find these days. I don't know that there's, I think for a while there was that whole like cycling is the new golf, but I think 2008 kind of killed that. But I don't know, maybe I'm just not in the right area. Well, I I think that I I think cycling in general is picking up now, Um, you know, more and more people. I mean, COVID. uh, Okay, e-bikes were selling in North America, I think in the U.S. actually. Uh, was growing 67% year over year until COVID hit. And then it went to 150%. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, people couldn't keep bikes in stock. And that, that was before the supply chain issues. That's true. Do you think it's going to stay growing? Because I mean, I think by last count, I could count maybe 250 major e-bike brands. And I'm not even talking about the ones that are like, just on Amazon or Alibaba. I mean, like actual brands that have websites and marketing presence. And that. We're talking about hundreds of brands. I mean, there's no way they're all going to continue to see growth and sustainable growth in business, right? No, but the other thing you have to look at is, especially people that you know are looking for the best deal they can get. And I, I try and talk people out of that. I say, look at the company, see how long it's been around. You know, if it's specialized, they're going to be there. Um, oh yeah, Rad Power. They're going to be there. Um, but if you you see some company that you've never heard of before, um, are they going to be there in two or three years? Are they going to have service? You know, are they going to cover warranty stuff? Are they? Are you going to be able to get parts for it? I mean, most of the parts are ge- general bicycle parts, so that's not that much of an issue. But you also have to make sure that you've got a place to take it uh, to do repairs if you can't do your own repairs. So. You need a bike shop that will actually take that bike in and and do work on it. And so all of those things together, you have to look at that when you're buying a bike because they all require yeah. maintenance. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, you know, I, I don't know what what are the good controversial things that we can talk about as bike guys? Like, are there any bikes that you like really don't like or we don't want to talk about that? <laughs> No, let's not alienate the sponsors too much. Can yeah, you well, it, it out? Here, you here's a company like, that likely won't sponsor anybody. Um, I had the Swind EB1, and I don't know if you oh. know that bike by name. Um, that is the bike that Simon Cowell had that he flipped and broke his back. It was like a, it was like a, uh, it was like like a dirt bike looking thing. Those things were wild. Yeah, it kind of looks like a stealth. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, but it's a $20,000 bike built by a, uh, a British racing, uh, like tuning and manufacturing company. And so yeah, they just yeah. wanted to build the most insane bike that they could. And when I heard about Simon, I called his publicist and 
they said he was he is was shifting gears and it threw him on his back. And I knew in my head right there, he wasn't shifting gears. He was changing modes because this bike, mm. and, and I got one, I got my hands on one scariest bike I've ever ridden in my life. Um, because in mode one, you get a thousand Watts at the rear hub pedestrian, still illegal, but pedestrian controllable, everything else in mode mm -hmm. two, it has, it gives you 6,000 Watts and it has so much torque that the front end is really difficult to keep down. Like it comes off the yeah. ground instantaneously. So if he had 5% throttle and hit the mode button, um, he was on his back because actually one of our editors uh, did that. Um, he uh, he took it out without telling me and he didn't have any idea what the but you know the different modes were and so he switched to mode two and had a, a tiny bit of throttle and it literally looped him the same way he got all scratched and banged up he's you know in his 20s so he didn't get broken but um caused a little damage yeah. to the bike uh, there's actually, a similar bike it's similar i think in concept called a, a scion bike x-i-l-n um, okay and and i don't and again ollie if you're listening to this i love you brother but like, man, is that thing terrifying. And it, it's a similar concept where it's got two modes. It's got a 750 watt mode. And then the other mode is a 5,000 watt mode. So <laughs> yeah. like, like, you know, you're sitting there, you're pedaling, you're doing the thing. And then you hit that button and it's like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to die now. And, you know, to me, I'm still stupid enough and, and, I don't want to say young enough, but I think I've had enough head trauma where I still find that kind of switch over fun, but I would <laughs> never recommend that to like an actual human who would say, should I buy this? It's like, no, you're going to die on that thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I reached out to Swind and I said, Hey, can you map a, a more gentle curve into that? And they flat out refuse. It's, it's a straight linear, it's, it's a straight line for the acceleration. So wherever you are on the throttle, that's where you, that's how fast you're going that fast. Um, by the way, the, the top mode three gives you 15,000 Watts at the rear wheel. Stop it. <laughs> it's, what? it's, it's ridiculous. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 times the legal limit, at least for I the mean, street. that's, that's that's something like 25 horsepower more. Yes. That's a lot of horsepower. Yes. So it's, it, it, it's a frightening bike. And then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another example of something th this I didn't hate, but I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> right. This is not actually a complaint. The bike is too fast. and has too much power. It's not a real complaint. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. So one of the things that I deal with, because I like, you know, modifications, you know, the SEMA show is all about that kind of thing too. Um, but sure. you take the average American, they kind of always want something a little faster. And I have to temper this in the e-bike world because, you know, the, the limit for class one through three is 750 watts uh, nominal. It can peak higher than that, uh, for any motor. So you get one horsepower is the legal limit, uh, to be able to ride on the streets or the trails, um, outside of, you know, you can go to OHV trails and you're fine to do whatever you want. You can ride a Suron out there and, and 
tear the place up and have fun. But, um, you know, I try and push as much as I can to keep people, you know, within the legal limits because, you know, if you want a motorcycle, go buy a motorcycle. But there's always a market for the people that want the crazy stuff. Uh, you know, my my friends over at High Power Cycles here in Chatsworth, California, they make custom bikes that are pretty incredible. And they, they'll take, you know, whatever the customer wants and, and do something big with it. There's a bunch of other companies that will do that. Um, you know, I, I saw somebody take their Super 73 and put a uh, 3,000 watt <laughs> hub motor in the rear wheel. Um Good which, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's fun, but it's a wheelie machine. Oh yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I wouldn't get on it, but uh, you know, Hey, you do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So another interesting bike that I had, uh, Lamborghini brought out a, a limited edition bike, uh, that they brought to the U S a couple of years ago. And it was fascinating. The, the motor and all of the gearing we're inside where the the bottom bracket is, so it's a mid drive motor kind okay. of thing. But if you look at the exploded view of this thing, it was amazing, just really cutting edge stuff. And I was blown away. And of course, you know, a twenty thousand dollar price tag uh, for right. the, their two different models of of e bikes, uh, e electric bicycles, and they were both street legal. They both had uh, you know like a five hundred watt mid drive and uh, you know, could go, I think the street one could go 28 and the other one could go 20. So class one, class three. Um, and I was writing the article up and I was doing some research online and I came across two bikes from Italy, uh, who must've been manufacturing it for, uh, Lamborghini. And instead of $20,000, it was 5,000. So, so for, so for $15,000, you got two decals on the down tube, a head badge, and, uh, you did have the option of a custom paint color, but that's a $15,000 premium for that. You know, it, it doesn't have the same kind of price premium. But if you ever look at the folding Ducati Scrambler SCRE e-bike and yeah. you look at the uh, first generation Aventon Cinch, I'm just going to say they're similar. <laughs> All I'm going to say, they're real, real similar. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, interestingly, some of those folding bikes, the 20-inch folding fat bike, I'm a BMX guy. So those things oh, are yeah. just a riot to ride. You know, I, I don't know if you've ridden the Zoos bike. One of the guys on oh, – so yeah. I, don't, I don't think they're actually exhibitors, but like one of the guys that works for Electrify Expo, um, he actually owns one personally. And he brings it out to all the events. Like he has it shipped over there, so he has something to ride when he's there. And he has the 1,000-watt version, and that thing is just awesome. Oh, I mean, if, from a BMX point of view, like it, it, this is 100% what I wanted when I was 10 years old. Yeah, no, they, they, uh, they were at the, the Long Beach show this year. They were at Long Beach. Yeah. I don't know that they were, cause they had a stunt rider at Long Beach. They had a whole, they had a whole thing going on. They were, they were really, uh, they were really active there. Yeah. But they, they, they had demo bikes. So I, I actually got to a chance to ride all three of the different, you know, motors 
And yeah. Uh, yeah, the thing to me looks like a 1980s torker with the double top tubes. I mean, it's it's yes. it's it's almost a spitting image, other than the fact that it's got that sort of mini bike style seat. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, but you're not on the seat. You know, I mean, the, the nice thing about having the seat is like, at least for me now, I'm like in my mid 40s, I can sit down. You know, right? Like when I when I want to, I can. You know, because like I never got tired when I was a kid, but now I get tired all the, I get tired walking out to the bike. <laughs> oh, trust <laughs> me, I'm in my 50s. I know that feeling. Oh. You poor thing. <laughs> I has a, a buddy of mine that I work with. He's a young cat. I, I met him several years ago. He's like 20 and I've known him now for several years. And he's just now he's almost 30. And he was telling me today, he's like, Oh yeah, my lower back hurts. It like hurts like in my hip and it goes down to my knee. I'm like, Ooh, sciatica. I remember when I discovered that. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's a thing, man. It's uh, I can't uh, I can't wait to discover what's going to hurt when I'm fifty. Yeah, it it uh, it it changes. You learn how to deal with it. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go back for a second because you were talking about uh, you know mountain bikes versus road bikes as far oh, as yeah. e bikes. Um, I did the Santa Barbara 100 a couple of years ago, um, and. Uh, I was I was riding along and I was going down this hill and I did a hundred kilometers. I actually did seventy two miles because I took a wrong turn at some point, so I had to spend an extra ten miles riding. And but I was behind a guy for a while, older guy, like eighty eighty or so, and I didn't notice that he was riding an e bike until I got up close to him. He had a Molly X thirty five on the back. And the only reason I even noticed it was he had the original white sticker on it. So that was drawing attention to the rear hub and how big it was. Because otherwise, if you know those hubs, they're tiny. And so I had a long conversation with him. He's like, he still rides his regular road bike, but on something really hilly like the Santa Barbara ride, um, he needs a little help. And so I think that's a fantastic thing because, you know, for the most part, the roadies, they really want the lightest bike that they can. Even the yeah. mountain bikes that we get in the warehouse, the the uh, acoustic ones, if I have to move one, I'll pick it up with one finger and carry it around. I am 100% stealing that acoustic versus plug-in. Please, please 100%. do. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it, you know, most of the roadies, they want to do that. And then like, even if you've got a class three, um, which sort of makes it not legal for, for bike lanes, uh, or actually, no, it does. It does. But even at yeah, a 28, uh, some of those guys are going faster than that. So you're just, you, you're carrying a, a lot of extra weight, uh, to deal with that. And then there's the, you know, there's smaller motors like Fazua and, and, uh, the Molly and all that stuff that make that a little better because they're lighter, but still it's like, it's, it's a lot of extra weight to carry around. That said, for commuter bikes, I think commuters are like the the perfect uh, thing for a, for an e bike because you get there, you're not sweaty. If you want to sweat on the way home, you can. You know, for running errands. Yeah, and, that's and a that really good point. You can almost motor all the way to work, and you get there, and you're not all out of breath and sweaty and stinky. And then on the way home, there's your workout. You just turn off the motor. I have literally done that. I did. Uh, a race between myself and a, a driver from 
where I live in Santa Monica to downtown Los Angeles. And uh, if you know that, it can take you an hour. It's 10, 12 miles. It can take you an hour and a half to drive there. Yeah, that's so we took off in rush hour traffic in the morning. Uh, He got on the freeway. It was actually the week before Christmas. So traffic was a little light. Um, So he took the freeway. I took Venice Boulevard mostly because it has a really nice wide bike lane and it goes almost all the way. And by the time like he beat me downtown, but by the time he found parking and got to the building where we were meeting, I was there. And then we uh, so I, I had it on like full turbo mode going there and it was a it was a class three. It was 28 mile an hour bike on the way home. I turned it down to eco and got my sweat on and it was really nice and uh, got back home. He used a gallon of gas, which, and I wish this was the case now, was $3. Uh, And then I used 19 cents recharging the battery at uh, peak LA rates. So that was, that's the difference in, in cost on the fuel if you will, alone, uh, let alone the cost of the vehicle, the insurance, the maintenance, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, from a cost perspective and even a carbon cost perspective there, you know, regardless of how, even if let's say half of the nonsense that you read about in terms of how horrible, you know, lithium mining is and all that, you know, assume half of it is nonsense and the other half is true. Even if all of it is true, you use so much fewer resources in making an e-bike to get one person back and forth to work versus building a 5,000-pound electric SUV to shuttle one person back and forth to work. There, there's no question that it, it, it's a smarter choice and that there's lower cost financially. There's lower cost you know, to the city, to the municipality. There's less strain on the roads. There's less garbage being created. There's less need for parking. You know, it, it, it's it's definitely the way to go. And I think we're, we're going to start to see that, you know, as, as America kind of matures as a country, right? Cause we're still a very young country as we develop more and more and start to become older, like Europe is older. We're going to start to see more and more behaviors that are like European behaviors. And I think riding your bike is going to just become one of those that gets more normalized. Um, you know, Tony, I think we're coming to the end of the, uh, the end of our, our time here. And I've had a really good time doing this. I hope we can do it again. Uh, I'm sorry you're not going to be at uh, Electrify Expo in Austin. We're doing Industry Day here, November 11th, 12th, and 13th. Um, but uh, we'll definitely see you at Long Beach next year, right? Absolutely, and and maybe more of them. I, I know you guys have uh, talking to BJ. I, I know you guys have more events planned. So we do seven have more next events year? planned. I don't know. We'll see. I think that's the right number. Um, I think it's going to be seven in a trade show. But uh, we'll definitely keep you guys up to date on that. Obviously, for Electrify Expo, people know where to go, electrifyexpo.com, Electrify News Podcast. Uh, If you're an Electrify listener, how do you follow up with Tony Donaldson? How do you follow up with uh, Electric Bike Action and and kind of, you know, stay on on your radar? Uh, It's electricbikeaction.com. And also, uh, we have a YouTube channel uh, under Electric Bike Action. And you can subscribe to the magazine in digital or print form. Uh, uh, on our website. Yeah, you guys have a print. That's worth noting here that you guys actually have a print magazine, which is in 2022, you know, for better or for worse, that's a rare thing. 
It is. It is. And and I'll, I'll have to say this. Uh, Roland Hines is our publisher. Uh, we publish seven titles, including like motocross action, road bike action, mountain bike action, a few other titles. Um, he sees a trend early on and starts a magazine to, to go with it. So electric bike, bike action is in its 10th year now. Um, wow. So I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's it's been around a while. I've been editor for six and a half years um, I will throw this out there and I'm going to name drop again. Um, Do I, I started in the space, uh, as a professional photographer, I shot all of the, uh, advertising and marketing stuff for Lee Iacocca for his e-bike company, EV global. And this is back in the late nineties. And oh, then I yeah. shot a bunch of the initial photography for zero motorcycles, uh, back in 2008. So I got into e-bikes, I want to say late 90s, early 2000s. We had a Mercedes-Benz e-bike, and then wow. we had a Ford. Yeah, and then hang on. We had a Ford Think e-bike. Okay, I think I remember, remember that thing. Yeah, it was like a Ford. Uh, the I was actually an exclamation point. Yeah, um, that sounds really they, familiar. Yeah, they had a... Um, Oh, it was a terrible bike. I mean, it weighed like 850,000 pounds with a lead acid battery. <laughs> yep. Um, but it was an e-bike and it was 2000, it was, I think it was the year 2000 or 2001. And, uh, those were the first, uh, those are the first two e-bikes that, that I rode. And so I, I've, I've always kind of like been interested, but yeah, I had no idea you guys were doing this for 10 years. That's phenomenal. So yeah, definitely check that stuff out. And, um, dude, Tony, this was great, man. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll do it again for sure. Thanks, Joe. We'll do it again. Thanks for listening to the Electrify podcast brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at Electrify TV and follow along on social media for daily clips and more.